We've been in a series called uh, All Things New, and uh, the guys were continuing it on the last few weeks while we were away. We've, done, we've talked about um, that we're a new person, uh, that there's a new command on our lives, that there is new victory, that there's new wine, that we have a new mind, and, uh, and all, all the other ones that we've been into. Today, I wanted to wrap up with a great passage in Isaiah chapter 43. Many of you have heard uh, this, these verses before, but I, I want to encourage us to look at it new. All things new. God says, I am doing all things new. I am doing a new thing, he says. You know that God is a builder. He's a creator. He likes to do things new. And, and so... I was looking at this passage uh, actually before uh, I went on holidays and was thinking about God does new things. And I wanted to wrap up our series with this new things. Uh, If you have your Bible, you can turn it. uh, You can turn to Isaiah chapter 43. If you don't, it'll be uh, on the screen behind me. Isaiah 43, we're going to start reading at verse 14. And it says this. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships that they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives were snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. When, Israel, uh, when Isaiah wrote these words, Israel was in a, in a very bleak part of their history, a very bleak time. They were taken as captives into, into Babylon, and they had lost everything. Nothing was going right. All their dreams, all their hopes, all their plans were, were gone. They were shattered. They were, they were captive people held in a foreign land. And uh, it, it wasn't exactly the way that they had thought things were going to go. When you're in captivity and you've lost everything, sometimes you lose hope as well. And at this very moment, they were completely defeated. There, there was no hope. There was, there, it looked like there was nothing they could do to, ha- to, to bring any kind of a change, that change wasn't going to happen at all. And this was... A very, very low point. So this is, this, this is just the point that I'm making. They're at this very, very low point. And at this low point, God sends them an encouraging message. And he says, I'm about to do something new. Now, how many here today honestly would say, I could use something new in my life? Come on. There's something that I could use new in my life. Listen. He's a creator and a builder. If he did something new then, he still wants to do something new now. He's always building, always creating. He's always being creator, God, right? 
So he's saying, listen, I, I'm going to do something new. At this low point, out of the darkness, a light will shine as we're heading into the Advent season, right? This is a low point, but I want you to know that I'm about to do something new. I understand that you're stuck. I understand that you're low. I understand that you're discouraged. I understand that things didn't maybe go the way that you were hoping they were going to go. But I want you to know today, I'm about to do something new. In fact, I've already begun it. And I want you to open your eyes. He says, don't you see it? Don't you see it? We're going to talk about that phrase. I love that phrase. Do you not see it? He says. So look at how he even starts this chapter uh, to, the, to the people of Israel uh, in Isaiah 43, verse 1. This is the same chapter, just at the very beginning. This is how he starts his address. He says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east and west. I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory, and it was I who created them. So just think now, you're at a low point in your life, you're stuck in a foreign land, having to be the servant to people that you don't want to be with, and he's saying, listen, when the waters come, they won't overcome. They won't, they won't, they won't over, overbear you. They, the, the river will come through the wasteland. I will make a road through the desert. I am here with you. And so he gives them this really positive, this incredibly positive message to hang in there, for I am still with you. I am in the business of doing new things. You know, he, he's, he's still compassionate, Amen. He's still loving towards his children. And he still wants to do new things in us. And he wants to do new things through us in other people. That's the goal. So, we need to let go of our past. He says, forget the past. That's what he says. So, you've heard it said, a lot of the platitudes, things like, um, you'll never enter into your tomorrow if you're stuck in your yesterday. You know? It's, it's true. Sometimes it's a feel-good thing, but it's true. If you're constantly looking back, you can't see where you're going. There's a reason, folks, why when you're driving the car, the windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror. There's a reason. Because you're supposed to look forward more than you're supposed to look back. It's important to look back once in a while, see where you've been, to see what's going on. 
But it's much more important to look ahead. Much more important. See, what's happened to us in our past, it, it can either serve as a springboard into a, into a great thing, or it can serve as an anchor that holds us and weights us down and sticks us into this dysfunctional, uh, uh, just difficult past that we, we can get stuck in sometimes. But it's what we remember that really counts the most. And let me, let me sort of uh, see if I can explain that a little bit. In verse 16 and 17 of this passage that we just read, it's really weird because he reminds the children of Israel about their past. He says, remember what I did in Egypt? Remember the great miracles I did? Remember the Egyptians that chased you and they drowned in the Red Sea? Remember, he reminds them of their past. And then, verse 18, he says, but forget all that. Isn't that weird? Don't you find that weird? I found that weird. Okay, say, bring it, pastor. It's just bring it, right? Like, it's just a little bit weird, right? Like, why are you reminding me of my past and then you're telling me to forget it? That's what he did. And so there's, there's an element here, right? There's a sense that we're supposed to remember the past in the sense that we remember what God has done for us. Somebody said yes, right? The times he's been faithful, the, the times that he's helped us out, the times that we, we felt his love and we felt his strength. He's given us wisdom when we were, when we were in bad need. He's given us and given us blessing after blessing after blessing. And when we look back over the course of years of our lives, we can see even when we weren't faithful, he has been faithful. Amen? That he has been with us, that he has helped us, that he has opened doors and shut doors, that he has directed our lives, even when we didn't know he was doing it. And so when we look back, those are the good things to remember. Those are the times and those are the things that build our faith, that encourage us to believe for greater things to come. Because if he was with me then, he surely is with me now, right? If he was faithful then, he will sure be faithful now. And this is where we need to remember our past. This is the springboard into greater things, right? See, these are the things we're to remember. But listen, he tells us, but forget it. He goes, but forget it. And I think what he's saying is, is listen, forget the discouragement. Forget the, the depression. Forget the defeat. Forget the times that didn't work out the way that you thought. Don't let your hurts stick you like an anchor to that spot. Don't let your disappointments drag you down. Don't let them keep you there. They will stick you there. And I'm telling you, I'm about to do a new thing. And he says, the new thing is better. That's what he said. Do you not see it? So he says, when your eyes are on the past, especially the discouraging, depressing difficulty of the past, you'll get stuck there. You know why? Because this little bitter root starts to grow up in your heart. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. And we go around telling everybody I'm a victim. And we can't seem to break this, this cycle of I'm a victim. He says, listen, don't remember your past like that. Remember it in the sense that I was with you. 
Remember the good times, the faithful times, my love, my strength, and let the discouraging defeats go. They will stick you there, and I want to move you ahead into something greater and more powerful, something new and fresh and creative if you just let it go, right? So staying stuck in the past, it will always keep us from the new thing that God wants to do. It always will. And he always says, by the way, that the new thing is better. While we were on holidays, I read this. this uh, you know there's books in your life where uh, you feel like one day I'm going to conquer that book? You know, you don't just read it because you want to read it like it's a big monster and you go, I'm going to conquer that book. I did one of those. And it was this big giant book on heaven. And it was a phenomenal book that blessed me so much and got my brain thinking about so many things. But it got me thinking about God being creator, that he said, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And, and, and how, and how a- Adam and Eve lived in this world of perfection. And one day, this will all be restored. And, he, and he's going to build it again and do all this new stuff again. That he, He's such a creator. He's such a builder, right? I go to prepare a place for you, right? He's still building now, right? He's always building, always creating. He always wants to do something new and fresh. God is never stale. And if your services are stale, if your life is stale, if our songs are stale, if our lives are stale, it's not God's fault. Say, that's right, Pastor. Right? He's new. He's fresh. Fresh. I love that word. That's this cool word. Fresh. Yeah. I'm 50, but I'm still fresh. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah, see, he's fresh. And when we go through times when we're not fresh, we can run to a God who is fresh. He says, I will pour out living water. All who drink will never thirst again. Once you drink of this water, you'll never want to drink anything else. See, he's fresh, right? The new thing is always better. So, to move ahead into the new thing that God has for you, there are a few things that we need to remember. And they're, they're, sort, of, they're, they're sort of the same, but sort of the opposite. How are we to move into the new thing into the new things that God has for us. Well, here's two simple things that I'd like to to share with you. The first is this. You cannot depend on your past victories. You cannot depend on your past victories. Israel had many past victories, right? The scripture alludes to some of them that we read today. They left Egypt that there was miraculous things that occurred. They crossed the Red Sea. They were saved from the Egyptians. They entered eventually into the promised land that God had given them. They had many past victories. But now they're slaves. Now they're in captivity, stuck in Babylon. And what were those previous victories doing now to set them free? Let me answer. Nothing. Nothing. Now, we can look at these past victories, like I said, 
to what? Not to be stuck there, but to say, if God was with me then, God is still with me now. And so they can encourage you to believe for something new and fresh now. But we don't, we don't, we don't depend on past victories. Israel, as these words were being spoken, needed a new victory, right? They needed something new right now, today, fresh. They needed something now that they were thankful for all those great things God had done, but we need something now, today, to set us free. They needed something new. And we shouldn't ask ourselves all the time what God has done, but maybe we should be asking, what is God doing now in my life? See, we look back now, and the older we get, the more, the more guilty we get of this, right? I can say that now because I'm getting up there. You look back and you say, yeah, but 20 years ago, whoo, man, what a ball player I was. I could throw, I could run. Man, I was glory days back then, glory days. I want you to know in the new heaven and the new earth, you'll be a better ball player than then than you ever were back in those days. Your better days are still to come, my friends. Listen, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, it's still to come, right? Those aren't the glory days, yeah. Glory days are still to come. But you know what I mean. The older we get, we look back and say, well, I had a great victory back in 1973, and now I'm just going to sit on that until, you know, the Lord takes me home. Really? You know that we do this. And I'm encouraging us today, me too. We cannot simply depend on our past victories. They should be remembered in such a way that they spur our faith and strengthen us to believe God to do something new and fresh now, right? He's with me then, he's with me now. And so we don't depend on past victories. And when we, we, we remember them properly, they can be an encouragement to us. But we have to have something new and fresh that is able to sustain us right now. So we can't depend on past victories if we want to move ahead into the new that God has for us. The next thing, if you want to move ahead into the new thing that God has, so one is don't depend on your past victory, and two is this, don't allow your past failure to hold you back. You see, both, you see how the, it's sort of a, a, a weird little combo of things here, but don't allow your past to hold you back. See, the people of Israel here, as, as Isaiah is speaking these words, they had failed pretty badly, pretty badly, right? God had given them his love, he had given them his protection, and they had turned to idols, right? He gave them commands and they chose to disobey. He, they didn't deserve his love or his rescue, but yet he said, I still love you. I still love you is the message from Isaiah 43, and I'm coming for you, so Hold up your head, lift your chin high, for the day of redemption is drawing nigh. I will come and save you. I will make a path through the desert, and I will provide streams in the wasteland. I am coming to rescue you, my children. He's giving them this powerful, powerful thing, saying, listen, don't, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It, it, it's over. It's done. We've all made mistakes. We've all had things. Man, if you could only go back and do things different. We have a hundred of those, right? 
Oh, why did I say such a stupid thing? Why? Oh, if I could just go back and just rewind time. I just, I just take a left turn instead of a right turn. You know, like so many regrets all of us can have. But listen, it's over. And God is saying, I am coming to do something new. Do you not perceive it? Can't you see it? Do you not see it? He's encouraging. He says, I've already begun. I see it, and I want you to see it, right? Don't let your past hold you back. He's not condemning you. Yes, you don't deserve his love. Yes, you don't deserve his help. Yes, you don't deserve his rescue. Join the club. We're all in the same, we're all in the same boat. But yet, he's merciful and compassionate and gracious and pours out favor and love upon people who are unworthy. And that's when we gather around the table to say, while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us, right? We didn't deserve his love, but he gave it, right? We don't deserve heaven, but he's going to give it. We don't deserve the Holy Spirit, but yet he's with us and indwelling in us, helping us sharing life with us, leading us, guiding us, empowering us, strengthening us, giving us gifts to use. We don't deserve any of it. And you, ha- you, you, you have to wrap your head around that, but yet to say, all my past failure, all my past mistakes, all my past regrets, it's over. God has forgiven me. God has still loves me. God has a new thing and a new plan and a new way and a new road for me to walk. And I am ready to walk it for the new is going to be greater than the old. This is what he says. Look at Isaiah 43, 18. It says, forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. It's nothing. See, he's, he's not condemning the people of Israel. He's trying to give them hope. He's saying, it's okay, I'm with you. Your past is not going to define you, right? I don't see you that way. I don't look at you that way. You think about, uh, in fact, Paul may be one of the greatest examples in all of Scripture of someone who could have let his past absolutely cripple him from moving forward. Mm-hmm. Someone say, mm-hmm, right? Right, think about it now. Uh, put up for me 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 12. This is Paul talking about himself. If you don't know his story, this is part of it. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. See, Paul had it right. You see how he's looking at his past, right? 
He's saying, I, I, was a, I was a bad man. I used to blaspheme Christ. I used to persecute Christians. I, I, I was involved in killing people. I did everything I could to stop the spread of the gospel. I was not a good human being. But he said, but God in his mercy, amen? But God in his compassion, you know? God had mercy on me. So that people could look at my life as an example to say, if God can do that in him, mm-hmm, come on, then God can do it in you. God can do it in me. God can do it in him. God can do it in anybody. You've met somebody changed by the power of the gospel, and it just encourages you to say, man, the change that's happened in him, if, if God can do that in him, he can do it in anyone. Paul was one of those guys, right? Paul was one of those guys. So he didn't let his past cripple him for the future. God had something better for him in store and wanted Paul to get over that. But you see, he used his past to help people. He was smart. He was brilliant. He was persuasive. He, was, he had all these skills. And once, once pointed in the right direction, once under the mercy and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the man is a dynamo who can't be stopped, right? And so God uses him in a great, great, great way. He didn't let his past cripple him for the future that God had in store. See, with Jesus, our past can become something that he can use, right? He doesn't waste our pain. He seems to have a way to use our past and even the difficulties and the challenges of our past to free somebody else. But you have got to get free yourself of the pain, of the guilt, and the condemnation of your past so that you can move free in it. And, and along that lines, God said this in the same chapter, uh, just a few verses under verse 25. He said this. He said, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Isn't that wonderful? So, if God has moved on, Isn't it time you did too? If God forgets about it, it's about time you did too. Be free of it. So if we want to move ahead into the new things, you can't just depend on past victories. And you can't allow those past failures to be the anchor that will hold you down. See, we can make an idol. We can make an idol out of new things. Oh, in the 21st century, we all want new things. Pastor Stefan, he always wants new things. A phone comes out, I go, I wonder when Stefan's going to get it. Oh, before law, right? If he has the cash, yeah. But I'm just joking. But we, you know that, that, that obsession that we can have with new things. We want new things. We want new things. We want new furniture, new houses, new cars, new, new everything. We want, you know, uh, well, we get... Anyway, I had something that I'm not going to say that one. I was going to say some people want new spouses, and then we go way too far. Yeah, it's way too far. Yeah. There's this time when you should stop, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we, we, can, make, uh, we can make an idol out of new stuff, that we want new stuff. And, and sometimes we want new stuff in every area of our life except newness with the Lord. Right? With God, 
We still want to live on the leftovers that he blessed us with 20 years ago. Oh, remember that service that God touched me and I was like 15 at the altar? One of the most powerful experiences of my life. Well, remember that powerful experience. But guess what? He wants to touch you like that again, right? Why live off that when he can give you the beautiful memory of that to encourage you and spurn you on to get something fresh today, right? We can make an idol and be obsessed with new stuff, uh, uh, but don't apply that same uh, uh, passion to our walk with Christ. And he wants to do uh, new things in us, right? And we, by the way, can work against him getting new things into our lives, right? We, we get stuck. We don't, we're not open. We're not receptive. We put God in a box. This is how he works, this is, this is how he functions in my life, right? We make God stale, right? We put him in a box that he could never possibly be put into, right? He, the Holy Spirit, let me just say this. He's never stale, never stale. He's always fresh. He's like this beautiful spring breeze. He's fresh. And to stand in his presence, there's something life-giving about it. It's fresh. He's never stale. And you never can put him in a box. The way the Spirit... Who knows where the Spirit comes from and who knows where the Spirit's blowing. But when he's blowing in your life, when you're hungry for it, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Right? The wind will find you when you go after it, right? The Holy Spirit will come and refresh you. And you've got to get out of this mentality of, of you know, putting God in this small box when he's too creative and too fresh and too big to be put inside a box. You're blocking and stopping and hindering what God might do if you'd open up your mind to receive what he has for you. See, it's, it's like I think about the, like the day of Pentecost. And sometimes as Pentecostals, we, we, we talk about the day of Pentecost, and, uh, and we will again because it was a great day, uh, an earth-shattering, life-changing day. But as powerful as the day of Pentecost was, we can't live off that. You with me? We, we need him today. When we say we need a new Pentecost, right? He's not going to do it the same way he did it then because that was for those people in those place for such a time as that. But what, we, what we're saying when we want a new Pentecost is we want a new move of the Spirit, right? We want a fresh touch of God. We want him to come with his power to, to, to just knock us on our feet so that we stand in awe of his glory and his power and say, you are wonderful again, that sin washes out of our lives, that our commitment to him rises up and there's renewal and a fresh touch of the spirit on our lives. This is what we, what we want. And so as powerful as the day of Pentecost was, we still need a fresh infilling. That's why Paul says to Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What, that, what he's saying is, is, is be continually filled. 
with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because what he gave you yesterday was for yesterday. What he wants for you today is for today. And be continually filled. Don't rely on yesterday when you can have something fresh today. And this is something and a theme that you see throughout the, 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 the Bible, throughout the, the Gospels and throughout the epistles of Paul, that there is something fresh that we need to be going after. You can't depend on past victories, and you can't let past failure keep you from the greater thing that God wants to do. So what new does God want to do with you? I'm a poet. And I know it. But listen, what new does God want to do with you? If Isaiah 43 is right, he said, I've already begun it. Open up your eyes. See it. Don't you see it? I'm with you. I'm wanting you. Don't let anything hinder it. Do you not see it? Look at Isaiah 43, 19. He says, for I am about to do something new. See, I, he says, I, I, I've actually already begun. It's already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I'll create rivers in the wasteland. See, what do you see when you look at yourself? What do you see when you look at your life? Not who you were 20 years ago, not who you're going to be 20 years from now, right now. What do you see when you look at yourself? Do you see yourself still as someone who has potential? Do you look at yourself and say, I still have possibility? I don't care if you're 80, 90. It doesn't, it doesn't matter our age. I, God uses us until he calls us home. That's what I firmly believe. How he uses us, it changes over the years. It's, it, 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 it morphs, it, it you know, physically we can't do things the way we used to do, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't use us to help people and bless people. Sometimes the greatest ministry I have seen in lives over, this, I'm entering now into 28 years of ministry, and some of the most powerful people I've met hardly ever leave their house. It's a, a little old lady about this tall who wakes up every morning, falls on her knees, and prays for the church for a for, for two hours before she starts her day. You don't think God's using her? Maybe no one knows that God's using her, but God's using her, right? So I understand that it changes and morphs over time. But I don't want us to think when we look at ourselves, no matter what our physical condition is, no matter what our health is, no matter what our relationship status is. See, because when you're single, you go, well... My whole life's on hold until I'm married, right? And then when I'm married, oh, man, I'm going to take the world. You sure, right? Yeah. And then when you're married, you go, man, I should have done that when I was single. <laughs> you know, it is always something. When I'm in school, when I'm out of school, man, I'm going to take the world. Then I'm out of school, and I go, boy, I should have, should have taken that course when I was in school, you know? Like, it's always something, right? It's always something. So my point is, what do you see when you look at yourself now, right now, today? Do you, do you see that you have potential and possibility? Or do you see yourself as being worn out, filled with problems, and your day is done? You know, I want you to know 
that God sees I am a promise. Come on. I am a possibility, right? It's not just a kid's song. It's for all of us. We are still potential. We are still possibilities in the hands of God. Your day is not done, my friends. I don't care who you are or how old you are or how much money you have or the color of your skin or, or who your friends are or what car you drive. You are still, still, still in the hands of God. There is still potential and possibility left for your life. You are not just a problem. You are not washed up. You are not done. When you're done, when your home is ready, he'll bring you home. That's when you're done. But until that day, look at yourself and say, there's still potential in me. I still have possibilities. Yeah, that's a road that uh, maybe is new and maybe things didn't work out exactly the way I thought and maybe this just didn't pan out the way this, that, that I, I believed it would. All that aside, he's still with you and he's still ready to use you. So God had told Israel that he was going to make a path. He said, I'm going to make a path through the wilderness and uh, that I'm going to create a river in the wasteland. So just think about it from their, their point, uh, from their uh, pragmatic point. They're in Babylon, okay? And they want to get back home to Israel. So there's hundreds of miles between uh, by the way, it's hundreds of miles of desert. Uh, I, have, I have driven from Israel to Egypt on a bus, like doing this for hours. There's nothing out there, let me tell you. Nothing out there. There are miles and miles between Babylon and their homeland of Israel. And returning there, they have to try to get through miles and miles of wilderness. And God says, listen, I'm with you. I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to empower you. Look, I'm going to make a road through that wilderness. I'm going to provide streams in that wasteland, right? God's people didn't need to be afraid because he was going to make a road through the wilderness. He was going to provide rivers in the desert to sustain them on their trip. See, a promise is only as good as the person who gives it, right? Um, how about God? You think, think that's a pretty good promise maker, promise keeper, right? So he, he makes them a promise. And he says, I am doing something new. Open up your eyes. Don't you see it? Do you not see it? I'm going to make a pathway through the desert. I'm going to provide streams in the wasteland. I'm going to rescue you and bring you home and get you back to where you should be. I'm going to call the children from the north and the south and the east and the west and they will all return for I am God and I make that promise. And He kept and keeps His promise. Right? God does not lie. He said He is not a man who should lie. He is Someone who speaks only truth and who says and does exactly what you think he's, what I say when he, what he, he does exactly what he says he, he said he was going to do. That's exactly what he does. So when God makes a promise, by the way, 
Now, how many of you have ever felt like at a time in your life where you've really felt like God did speak to you and make a promise to you? Maybe through the word or maybe during a time of prayer or somebody came up and said something. Like, honestly, you, you, uh, let, let me see. Like, God made you a promise, okay? Now, here's the thing. When God makes you a promise, this is what we can be guilty of, right? And I'm, I'm with you, uh, and I've done it myself. But we can be guilty of worrying about the details of the promise. Mm-hmm. God says, well, I, it's okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to do this. And I believe and say, Lord, I have the faith. I believe. You're good. I know you're going to do that. But then I walk away and go, how? How? God, do you know that this person is like way too hard for you to reach? The mountain is too high. The wall is too thick. The, it, the, the, the road is too rough. I, there's no way. I can't see a way. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, he makes us a promise, and then, and then instead of just receiving the promise, we walk away and we worry about the details about the promise. We worry about all the obstacles that we see that seem too big for his promise to come true. Let me ask you again, did God make you a promise? And if he did, does he keep his promises? Then stop it. (laughs) I say that to myself all the time. You know, when I was driving through that corner one day and I felt the Lord speak to me and he said, that's a good place for a church, Jeff. Right there, that's your corner. I went, sure. That's what I said. In my car, I was heading back to the old church. I went, sure. We got no people. We got no money. We got nothing. We will never get zoning. We'll never get, you know, nothing. There's no way. Look where we're sitting. Did I have days when I was worried? Oh, yeah. Did I have days when the obstacles seemed so big? Yes. But I, I, I just want you to know, the promise is only as good as the one who makes it. And God who holds the world in his hand, if he says that corner is yours, guess what? That corner is yours, right? And so we can't get worried about the details. We can't get worried about the obstacles. We can't let them get so big that we we let the promise of God start to fade in our spirit. You've got to fight to hang on to that. If God said it, then God will do it. He knows when, he knows how, he knows the mountains he has to knock down, he knows all the changes he needs to make. He can do it. He says, don't worry to the children of Israel. Listen, don't worry. Don't worry. I know you're stuck in Babylon. I know that you're powerless and weak, that you've got nothing, no way to get back to your homeland, but I want you to know, I want you to know, he says, I'm going to make a roadway through the desert and I'm going to provide streams in the wasteland. I'm going to make a way for you, right, where there is no way. I'm going to make a way for you to get to where you need to be. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to sustain you all the way along until you get to where you need to be. This is what he says. This is God 
He's a good God who keeps his promises, right? So the passage is speaking about, of course, Israel's future deliverance from Babylon, but it's, a, it's, a, it's more than that. It's pointing, of course, to the ultimate deliverance that will come with Yeshua. Messiah. Right? Jesus has come to make things new and to give us a path to follow through through the wilderness to get us to where we need to be. Jesus said, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. And when it is better that I leave so that he can come. That's what Jesus said. That still freaks me out that he said that. Who's, Jesus says it's better that I leave. We'd never want him to leave, right? But he says, listen, the way I'm trapped here, right? But when he comes, right? When he comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will be your counselor and guide. He will be your strength. He will be your way. He will be your infiller. He will be your baptizer. He will be everything that you need. It is better that I go so that he can come, right? It's, he's saying, I left you the Holy Spirit to give you the power, to give you the, refreshing, the, the refreshment in times when you're difficult, when you're walking through a desert, when it's stale and dark and tough. he's there to give you the refreshment that you need to walk in victory. He He says, I'm about to do something new. I've already begun it. Do you not see it? I was thinking about that phrase, do you not see it? What is God up to in my life, in my church, in my world, all around that I just don't see? Probably an awful lot. What can I see that he wants me to see? Because you know, when, it, when somebody says, do you not see it? The implication is, you should, right? Mm-hmm, right? Do you not see it? You have eyes. But the scripture says, you have, they have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Why? Wow, because we're dysfunctional and stuck in our past and who knows why, right? But he's saying, don't you see it? I've got something new on the table for you. I've got something fresh. I've got something exciting and creative. I've got something that you're going to enjoy. I've got something that's going to give you fulfillment, that you're going to be used by God, that you're going to do great things with this gift and blessing that I'm going to give you. Don't be stuck in the past. Do, don't you see it? This is God. Look, don't you see it? I got so much good stuff, right? And we sometimes can't, right? Are your eyes open? Do you not see it? The Lord wants to do a new thing in you. He can make a path through the wilderness. He can lift the guilt from your past. He's focused on who you can be, not on who you were, right? Somebody said, that's right, Pastor, right? He's focused. He knows who you were. He's not worried about that anymore. He's worried about who you can be in God, right? He's the one that's given you the gifts and the abilities. He's the one that wants to use you for his kingdom. He's the one that wants to bless you that way, right? He wants you to be free from depending on past victories. He wants you to be free 
from being stuck in your past failure. He wants to give you something fresh, right? He's, he, he can transform those desert areas in your life and he can make something new and fresh spring up where there was no life. He can create it, right? Do you not see it? See, so I want you to think about areas in your life where it's dry, it's bad, it's stale, it's difficult, it's challenging, and that maybe you've given up hope. Maybe the mountain is too big. The road has been too rough. There's been so many times where you've been discouraged and kicked, where just as your hope gets a little bit, nope, the chair gets kicked out from under you. And, and, and life beats us up. But I, I want us to know today, he's ready to do a new thing. Do you not see it? He can bring healing. He can bring hope. He can bring restoration. He can do all of these things. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 17. This is what Paul said. He said, this is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. And, and here's the one I wanted to focus on. And who creates new things out of, say it with me. That's what Paul, Paul says. Listen, so God says to Abraham, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You're going, you're, you're, your ancestors are going to number the sand of the sea. And Abraham is like, seriously? Well, I'm old first, and I have one wife, and she can't get pregnant. Was that his attitude? No, I'm sure he had his days. Yes, I'm sure he had his days. But what does Paul say? This happened... Because Abraham believed in the God who brings dead things to life. He believed in a God who was able to create new things out of nothing. And that's exactly what he did. So, don't let your past, don't let your age, don't let any issue that you've been struggling with hold you back, hold you prisoner. If, you're, if you are a child of the Most High, You are loved, you are favored, and he can do something new in you. He can use you to impact somebody else. In fact, he probably already has ways that you already know of that he can use you to impact others. Do you not see it? Think about it. Open your eyes to the possibilities that are all around you, right? If the Lord can open the Red Sea... He can open a door for you. Do you not see it? Right? He can make a way where there seems to be no way. Do you not see it? Right? Open your eyes and see that he is and will always be water when you're dry and thirsty. He, he will be food when you are hungry. He will be a refreshing breeze when you feel stale at heart. He it will always be sight For those who are blind, he'll be courage for those who have fear. He is strength for the weary. He will always be everything that you need him to be.
This is who he is. So, can you see it? I encourage you today to see it. Jesus wants to do something new in our lives. I know that. I believe God wants to do something new in our church. He said, forget the past. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. He says, the best is yet to come. So we are dearly loved, and he doesn't want to see us dry and dead on the inside. He loves us too much to want to let us stay that way. So, in fact, I just, I was singing that with Stefan earlier. It reminds me of that old Israel Houghton song, right? It's a new season. Come on now. It's a new day, he says. A fresh anointing is coming my way. Okay, it was blessing me. Right? Yes. It's a new season. It's a new day. Come on. A fresh anointing is coming my way. It's coming my way. Jimmy, do you see it? Do you not see it? It's there for you. It's there for you. It's there for you. Right? It's a new season. What you've been through, you've been through. Take the good, take the meat, spit out the bones, move forward in history and in power with your history and use it to to, to do something greater. He wants to do something new in your life and He wants to do something new in our church. So be open, be ready to receive the new thing that God has for you. Embrace the work of the Holy Spirit and let Him create a river that can run through the desert parts of your life. So God said, I'm about to do something new. So the question that we need to ask is, what new does He want to do in you? Because there's something. And I encourage you to find it. Open your eyes and see it. For it is yours. It is ours. And we need to walk in. If, if we say as believers that, uh, and Dan and Melissa touched on it, that if we don't walk with the joy of the Lord, if we don't walk with the anointing of the Spirit and a touch of God on our lives, if we're just as ho-hum and blah and stuck and fearful and anxious and, and filled with, 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 with all these things like everybody else does, what does it say about our God? Hmm? What difference has God made in our lives? We believe God's a lot bigger than that. Amen? He's a lot bigger than that. And so let our lives reflect how powerful he really is. What new does he want to do in you?